Coming up on today's show, Alabama and the New England Patriots. They're the two greatest sports dynasties of our generation, but dynasties aren't invincible. I'll talk about why on today's show and why John Mechie's absence for Alabama may not be so advantageous for Cincinnati. Plus, it's Tuesday, and that means another edition of Tuesday Top 10. This week, the top 10 plays from the Bearcat season thus far. All of that coming up on today's episode of Locked On Bearcats. Thank you for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen of every day. My name is Alex Frank, welcoming you to today's episode. Today's episode is presented by Sonos. Sonos is the official sponsor of ESPN College Football. Go to Sonos.com to learn more. I'm here, Alex Frank here, using my experiences from my days as sports director of the University of Cincinnati's Bearcast Media, where I was a commentator for Bearcats football and men's basketball games. I was a host of several live shows and podcasts related to the Bearcats in our radio and television studios. And I also made a lot of connections with those in the athletic department and those who cover the team professionally, which I guess I'm one of those professionals now with this podcast. I don't know, but... I am here to bring those experiences from Bearcast Media to this podcast. All right, we are three days away from the showdown. Bearcats, Alabama in the Cotton Bowl in the college football playoff. Apologies if you're hearing background noise. I was not able to bring my microphone on the cruise that I am on, but don't worry. I will be watching the playoff game on Friday in full force. There's a great theater on one of the floors on the cruise ship big screen tvs i'm talking like bigger big screen tvs big big screen tvs so this is where i'll be recording every episode this week so apologies for any background noise i wasn't able to lug my microphone through security at the airport or just in any bag in general which i wish i would have been able to but anyway so alabama we all know they are a dynasty six national championships in 12 years There's another dynasty in sports, and I'm going to talk about them in relationship to Alabama today, but I'm going to talk about Alabama more because that's who the Bearcats are playing. This is a Bearcats podcast, but I'm going to bring my NFL background into this show. So in my lifetime, and for you Bearcats fans, recent Bearcat graduates, those in grad school, in your lifetime, this is the case too. There, there are two dynasties in sports, Alabama and the New England Patriots. And they both have a lot in common, A, because they have won frequently. The Patriots won six Super Bowls in 18 years. Alabama won six national championships in 12 years. Now, six Super Bowls in 18 years, I would consider a bigger accomplishment than six national championships in 12 years because... In a league in the NFL that prides itself on so much parity, and they build themselves a lot of it, to win six Super Bowls. First off, get to nine Super Bowls. Play in 13 AFC Championship games. That's impressive. Consistency. Alabama has lost their share of national championship games, too. They have been to the college football playoff seven times in the eight-year run of the playoff. They went to the national championship at 1.4 straight years. They lost in the semifinals in 2014. They won it all in 2020. They didn't make it in 2019, and they're back again this year. And they are the favorites, I believe, to win the national championship. 
But in a sport, but I say the Patriots dynasty is better because in a sport like college football that prides itself on exclusivity and is driven by blue bloods like Alabama, like Ohio State, like recently Clemson, shouldn't that mean Alabama wins the national championship every year? And I think that's why Nick Saban is just so relentless in the pursuit of a championship when he's coaching. Because he knows that Alabama is the top, the cream of the crop in college football. But like all creams of the crop, Alabama has their Waterloos, the Patriots have theirs. You know, I've been thinking about this since the Bearcats, since we knew the Bearcats were going to play Alabama. And Tony Pike, former Bearcats quarterback, brought up a great point. Monday morning on ESPN Radio with Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. And he talked about how if the Bearcats can get can just get past the name that's on the jersey, meaning Alabama, the name that's on the jersey, and the head coach, Nick Saban, who is without question the best coach in college football right now. He might be the greatest college football coach in the history of the sport. If you can get past those then he thinks the X's and O's matchups work in Cincinnati's favor. And I think they can. I think Alabama is the better team on paper. But Cincinnati and Luke Robinson from Lockdown Bama and I talked about this, and you've heard this mentioned if you've listened to our crossover interview, that he thinks Cincinnati is the toughest matchup for Alabama this season. Will be. And without question, Alabama will be the toughest matchup for Cincinnati this season. They will be the toughest matchup for Cincinnati this season, even if they beat them and go on to play Michigan or Georgia. But think about the games that Alabama has lost over the years that they should have won. And you can do the same thing with the Patriots. Like I said, in my lifetime, there are two dynasties in sports. And maybe this is the case for your lifetime. And for you Bearcat graduates, recent Bearcat graduates, current Bearcats you know, students, those in grad school at the University of Cincinnati, you know, in your lifetime, you know of two sports dynasties, Alabama and the New England Patriots. But they both are not invincible. Both teams, I should say Alabama as a program and the Patriots as a franchise, both have lost games over the years that I, for one, thought they should have won. These are some of the games that I thought about on Monday. And really, since it was announced the Bearcats would play Alabama, the, the games Alabama, off the top of my head, and I, I, I can go back and look at their schedules, Alabama, of the last 15 years since Nick Saban got there in 2007. You've got the 2008 Sugar Bowl versus Utah. That's a game Alabama should have won. Utah was from the Western Athletic Conference, and Utah kicked their ass in that game. 2010, Alabama loses to Ole Miss. 2012, they lose to Texas A&M. They lose to Oklahoma in the Sugar Bowl by 14 points in 2013. After Bob Stoops called SEC defenses overrated. You would think that would, motiv that would have motivated Alabama's defense that had some really good players on that defense. Did the exact opposite. It crushed them. They lose at Ole Miss in 2014. Then they lose in the college football playoff semifinal to Ohio State as a huge favorite against a third-string quarterback. 
They lose to Ole Miss in 2015. They should have won both national championship games, I thought at least. And again, these are games that I thought Alabama should have won going in. Maybe not the first national championship because I thought Clemson was going to win. I didn't think Alabama was that great after watching them in the Peach Bowl that year. But the second time they played Clemson for the national championship, I'm sorry, the third time, 2018, they should have won that game. They got crushed by 28. 2019, they should have beaten LSU. I thought they were better. LSU won. We all know that as Cincinnati fans, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. And they also lost to Auburn that year. A far and away inferior Auburn team compared to who Alabama was that year. And then this year, they lost to Texas A&M. And you can argue they should have lost other games that they won as the better team. They should have lost to Auburn. They could have lost to Arkansas. They should have lost to LSU. And you look at some of the games the Patriots have lost over the years. And again, these are just games that I'm thinking about off the top of my head. And there are a lot of them with the Patriots. Super Bowl 42 when they were 18-0. They lost a playoff game to the Jets as large favorites in 2010. Brady was MVP that year with 34 touchdowns and four picks. They lose to the Ravens in the 2012 AFC Championship game. The Monday night game against Kansas City in 2014. I don't need to be reminded of what happened the week after. 2015, they lose at Denver in the AFC Championship with a far and away more talented team. They lose Super Bowl 52. And then recently, like you think about the games they lost in 2018 and 2019. They had the better quarterback in some of those games. But again, sometimes, as Luke Fickle says, the best team that day wins. And if Cincinnati can be the best team against Alabama in that matchup, what reason is there for me for you and for any other Bearcat fan out there to think that they cannot beat Alabama. And it's interesting to me how, you know, Alabama and New England sometimes appear so invincible. You know, Alabama wins however many games in a row. The Patriots win 21 games in a row at one point. And yet, sometimes it's just all about, you know, you go about it, Maybe the same way you prepare for any other opponent, maybe a little bit differently because of the caliber of an opponent Alabama is. I mean, think about how teams have beaten Alabama in the past, how aggressive teams like Deshaun Watson and Clemson twice in the national championship were. Or think about how aggressive LSU was in 2019 with Burrow and Chase. Or think about how aggressive Nick Foles and the Eagles were in Super Bowl 52 against the Patriots. Or think about how... Patrick Mahomes gave Bill Belichick nightmares twice in 2018. I know the Chiefs didn't win either one of those games, but still. Cracks in the dynasty started to form and get bigger and bigger. Alabama, listen, you know, college football has evolved into being just this spread offense seemingly in every conference even the SEC. And Nick Saban finally has caught on to that with Bryce Young now as his Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. Speaking of that on offense, we think John Mechie and his injury is going to be advantageous for Cincinnati. But what happens if Nick Saban comes up with a completely different game plan? Can he do that? I think he could. You'll hear why next. 
Once again, thank you for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen of every day. Make sure to check out the Ultimate College Football Playoff Preview 2021, local experts betting advice and draft analysis. The most comprehensive college football playoff preview begins this Friday. Alex Frank back here with you on Lockdown Bearcats. The Bearcats in Alabama, three days away from squaring off in the Cotton Bowl in Dallas. The winner advancing to the national championship game on Monday night, January the 10th in Indianapolis. All right, so a big storyline, and I have talked extensively about this. I touched on it last week mainly with John Mechie being out and how big of an impact that is. When you think about, like I said, John Mechie has 28 more receptions than the next closest player on the team. John Mechie was supposed to be the next Devontae Smith. Now, Devontae Smith had a very distinguished, great career at Alabama. John Mechie has come in, and he's filled in admirably. Now, Jamison Williams may be their most explosive receiver. You could argue he's their best receiver if you want to take those explosive numbers. I would argue John Mechie... Actually... But John Mechie is their most valuable receiver. He's not playing. You think that's advantageous for Cincinnati because you think, oh, if they can take away Jamison Williams, they're good, right? Eh... Sometimes it's not that simple. Think about this. I want you to think about this for a minute because this fascinates me. And I, I, I listened to this on a podcast recently. I believe it was NFL Inside Report. And Peter King was the guest. Phenomenal writer. If you love reading good sports journalism, you probably know about, you probably know and have read some of Peter King's work. It's phenomenal. Peter King brought up Bill Belichick and how Bill Belichick has a book in his house called The Art of War. It basically talks about whatever the circumstances, you game plan to win that particular battle. So Alabama and Nick Saban, again, Alabama and the Patriots are the two dynasties in sports in my lifetime and, again, for those who, me being just 23 years old, for those who are similar in age to me, you probably know this, that Alabama and the Patriots are the two greatest dynasties of our generation in our lifetime as sports fans. And Nick Saban, being the greatest coach in his sport, like Bill Belichick is in the NFL, Nick Saban can very easily come out with a completely different game plan than what we think. We think they're still going to use Jamison Williams as a deep threat, and he might. You see, the Bearcats have two All-American corners. But let's say they don't try to beat you deep. Let's say they try to grind you out. Let's say they use their running backs more. Now again, I've told you before that Alabama has one running back with over 1,100 yards. The next closest doesn't even have 300. Brian Robinson Jr. Brian Robinson Jr. is Alabama's best running back. But he's not the running back that that um Najee Harris or Derrick Henry or Mark Ingram or any other running back besides 2017's national title team that Alabama national championship teams have had. Because he's not as prolific. He's not as dominant. But in a game like this, 
it doesn't matter if they're dominant in one area or not. Because this game, given the circumstances, with John Mechie being out, may require Alabama to run the ball, grind the Bearcats out, pick up three to four yards at a time, hit Jamison Williams on a crossing route. Or, if you can use Jamison Williams, and this is a characteristic of dynasties to me, and they probably are to you. You ever watch a big game that Alabama's in or the Patriots are in, and this guy who you don't think about going into the game ends up being the biggest impact player? Well, Cameron Lateau and Jaleel Billingsley, two players to keep your to keep your mind on. Lateau has to only 20 receptions, but six touchdowns. And you got Jaleel Billingsley, who's a deep threat. 244 yards on 16 catches. That's explosive playmaking right there. Will those guys be heavily involved? If the Bearcats take away Jamison Williams, which they could. But you have to understand, if a team's greatest strength is taken away. If a team's greatest strength is taken away. They can find ways to, to combat that. I mean, the Patriots don't win 11 games without Tom Brady in 2008. Just because, because, no. They found ways to work around it. Patriots, the Patriots will always find ways to work around adversity. Liabilities. Circumstances. Remember the Monday night game earlier this year when the Patriots threw just three passes? And you can, you can say that was the most boring game plan, whatever. You can say that's so easy, just hand the ball off. No, it's not. It's about fullbacks, wide receivers, tight ends, offensive linemen making their blocks, executing their assignments. That still takes game planning. That still takes coaching. Bill Belichick took into account, hmm, 45-mile-an-hour wins, rookie quarterback, not the most, not the best skill group in the AFC East and the AFC and the NFL. We're going to run the football because we know we can. And so Nick Saban, for an Alabama team that doesn't like to run the football, maybe they do. You have to understand that great coaches, great coaches will game plan to win that particular battle. Alabama's identity this year is they are a pass-heavy team, and they've had the playmakers all season to do so. Young, Mechie, Williams. They don't have Mechie now. What if Kobe Bryant or what if Sauce Gardner takes Jamison Williams away? Do they pick on Kobe Bryant more? Do they target who they identify as the weak link in the Bearcats secondary? I would tell you there isn't any. They, Alabama, great teams and great head coaches will. Luke Fickle has to understand that Alabama, I think, maybe he doesn't have to, but he should. Nick Saban has a lot more experience on this stage than Luke Fickle does. Nick Saban's coached in so many of these games. And think about how many times they've adjusted in games. Think about the 2017 National Championship game. Jalen Hurts. The storyline was, oh, he's got a chance to 
redeem himself from his poor performance in the national championship last year. He gets benched at halftime for Tua Tagovailoa. I couldn't pronounce his name for the life of me that day. I could after the game, because I knew I had to. As a talk show host at Bearcast Media, because I always want to make sure I'm pronouncing names right. Anyway, you think about dynasties and these players that come out of nowhere, like Tua, like O.J. Howard, seemingly, in the national championship game in 2015. The Patriots, Malcolm Butler, Mike Vrabel became that red, he became that goal line threat. Wasn't always the best, most notable player on the team. You think about, you know, uh, anybody that has come through the, the Alabama's program and the Patriots franchise. And sometimes when when one player, major player goes down, you think, you know, you don't have to do things that you would normally have to do against them. But that's not the case. You still have to be aggressive. Here's, how, here's an example of how you beat that. The Patriots didn't have Malcolm Butler in Super Bowl 52. And the, the Eagles were still uberly aggressive until the final whistle. They never took their foot off the gas. You know, sometimes, sometimes you think you don't have to do so much if a player like Mechie goes down. And this Bearcats team, like I said, if they can if they can avoid their kicking game at all costs, they will be aggressive. Right? They're gonna they're gonna play for touchdowns. But defensively, it's you know, if they play a 3-3-5 or man coverage, which I think they will, Sauce Gardner against Jamison Williams, they're gonna have to find a way to you know just continue to understand that any receiver like Cameron Lateau and Jaleel Billingsley, of course they can make an impact. It's Alabama. Dynasties, coaching staffs of dynasties, Alabama and New England. Make sure that every player is ready to do their job at all times, regardless of the situation, regardless of experience. Malcolm Butler was from West Alabama. Did you know did you know that was a school until the interception in the Super Bowl? Because I sure didn't. Doesn't matter where you come from, doesn't matter where you are in the depth chart, every player matters. And you have to take in every player into account. Not just Jamison Williams because you think he's going to get more targets because Mechie's going to be, be out. Maybe that is the case. I don't know. But I also know that great coaches will adapt to the situation and adapt to the circumstances and realize that they can depend on anybody. They might decide to run the football more. They are 10th Alabama, though, in the SEC in rushing yards per game at just 147. Not your typical Alabama team. Again, they are evolving into what college football is, pass heavy. It, it just fascinates me, though. How Nick Saban's going to approach this game. Is he going to go with a game plan that's heavily involved Jamison Williams? Does he really want to target Sauce Gardner? Does he not target Sauce Gardner and just grinds UC out? Dan Hoare told me that this is going to be a battle in the trenches. I believe that. I believe Cincinnati needs to prove they can win in the trenches against an SEC team. Because last year against Georgia, you can say what you want. They did not do that in the second half. Because after James Hudson left that game, they were no match for Georgia's defensive line. Lawrence Metz against Aziz Ojaliri, woof. Maybe this is different. Can UC's defensive line handle Alabama's offensive line? 
The Bearcats' defensive line has been really good this season. It hasn't been totally dominant, but it's been really good. It's been reliable. It's not the strength of the defense, but still, they're going to have to step up. It just fascinates me, though, because John Mechie's out. Will Nick Saban completely change his game plan? Will they go to a grind it out? Who will they rely on if they go to guys like Cameron Lateau or Jaleel Billingsley? I don't know. Maybe Luke Fickle thinks that they're going to come up with some completely different game plan. But I'm just saying that could happen. Great coaches adapt to any situation, at any moment, with whatever circumstances they're given. Injuries, weather, etc. Bill Belichick did it earlier this season at Buffalo. And I think Nick Saban could do it again against Alabama. And we as Bearcats fans have to think that can happen. All right, it's Tuesday. That means it's Tuesday Top 10. I'll be back with my top 10 plays from this season. It's different because some of what I mentioned in the top 10 last week, top 10 moments, what I included in that wasn't necessarily a play, but they could have been moments off the field. This is strictly on the field. Top 10 plays from this season. Back with that in just a moment. Bet Online has you covered this holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the college bowl season and the pro football playoffs. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. So don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available. Bet Online, where the game starts. Once again, thank you for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen of every day. I'm Alex Frank, welcoming you back to the show. And time now for my favorite segment of the week. It's Tuesday Top 10. This week, we're going to do the Tuesday Top 10 plays that occurred during the regular season. I had a lot of fun compiling this list. It was fun to go back and think about all the great plays that had been made this season and whittle them down to 10, but I have done that. We'll start at 10, we'll work our way to one so you can stick around and anxiously await to hear what the number one play, in my opinion, the number one play from the season so far for Cincinnati, at least through the regular season. We will start at number 10. This is interesting. And I know you're going to say, oh, Frankie, come on. You included a kicking play, a field goal. I did. Christian Lowry's long field goal against Navy to end the first half. I believe it was 51 yards. That was a big moment in that game, especially when you think about the Bearcats kicking game struggles leading up to that point in a game that ended up being decided by just seven points. Three points was a huge acquisition on the scoreboard for Cincinnati in that game. Who knows how the game turns out? The Bearcats would have been tied had Lowry not made the kick. They would have been up just four. Navy would have been driving for a, driving for a game-winning touchdown. Who knows the stress level of some the stress levels of some fans in Bearcat Nation? The Bearcats fortunately were up seven thanks to Lowry's long field goal to end the first half and ended up staving off a Navy comeback with an interception by Brian or excuse me Arquan Bush in the final minute of that game. Number nine, Evan Prater's touchdown run versus Miami. It was the number four play the day after Sunday morning, Labor Day Sunday on SportsCenter Top 10. And it was just great to see Evan Prater get some action in a rivalry game 
His first action as a Bearcat, make a highlight reel play, show off his ability to run as a quarterback. And I tell you what, you know, I know there might be some fans, some of you listening to this, that are concerned about the Bearcats' future at the quarterback position once Desmond Ritter leaves. I don't think you have to be. I think Evan Prater's going to take some time to develop, but so did Desmond Ritter. And hopefully Evan Prater can keep this program near the top of college football once UC especially joins the Big 12. Number eight, Desmond Ritter's 81-yard touchdown pass to Tyler Scott to open the season against Miami. That was a tone setter, that the Bearcats were going to be an overly aggressive team, a fun team to watch. They're going to air it out. Desmond Ritter had not regressed at all from his great finish to his junior season that what he put up in those games in 2020 was for real, was legitimate, and it carried over into the first game of 2021. Desmond Ritter started his season off on the right foot, one-for-one, 81-yard touchdown bomb to Tyler Scott. And, and by the way, just an unbelievable deep ball and catch. I mean, that's hard to do. It, it really is. Number seven, Kobe Bryant's pick six versus UCF. An All-American cornerback, he wears number seven, making a, a, a UCF you know, they they just got down so much early, but after it was 35-0, they tied the Bearcats on the scoreboard, but Kobe Bryant's pick six just put the nail in the coffin, you know, 70 yards. Here was an All-American cornerback making a big-time play, pick six against a team Bearcats fans loathe. Gotta love that play. Number six, Ahmad Gardner's, excuse me, did I call him Ahmad Gardner? Sorry, I'll give him the respect he deserves. Sauce Gardner's blocked field goal, return for a touchdown, against ECU. You know, Sauce Gardner has made some plays this season, obviously. The sack against Houston in the title game, the conference title game, the interception against Notre Dame, and a handful of just, you know, really good coverage plays preventing, you know, from any quarterback really targeting him. That was his moment in the sun, getting a defensive touchdown, something he did twice in 2019, and he was able to do it again this year. He also had an interception in Notre Dame that was critical as well. Number five, two goal line stands versus Tulsa. Like I said last week, those goal line stands saved the season. In essence, they saved the season. The Bearcats may not make the playoff. Tulsa would have had to go for two, but they would have had the opportunity at least to tie the game. Number four, Trey Tucker's kickoff return for a touchdown against Indiana. It showed the Bearcats have this dimension from a special teams. We know their kicking game is struggle, but kick returning, the return game part of special teams. Trey Tucker busting it loose. 98 yards, totally flipped the momentum into Cincinnati's favor against Indiana. Indiana did go back ahead once, but once Trey Tucker returned that kick for a touchdown, Cincinnati had their stranglehold on Indiana, and they showed it with a 15-0 outscoring of Indiana in the fourth quarter. Special teams can turn games around. Trey Tucker's kickoff return flipped the entire momentum of the game into Cincinnati's favor. Number three, the Chili Special versus SMU. Like I talked about last week, it's a play they've had, you know, for years. They finally broke it out on Desmond Ritter's senior day. He catches a receiving touchdown. It felt like the ultimate culmination of Desmond Ritter's journey from game manager to maybe a liability, although I never thought he was that in 2019 and the early part of 2020, to being a different, to being a game changer on offense, to being a Dark Horse Heisman Trophy candidate, and now someone who can, you know, be on the receiving end of a trick play that appropriately dubbed by Jim Kelly, the Chile special. Number two, Leonard Taylor's reception versus Notre Dame, 36 yards. Unbelievable throw and catch, phenomenal route by Taylor. Here, here's what stands out to me about that play. 
And Cincinnati had just given up 13 unanswered points. If you're like me, you're thinking, oh my gosh, here we go again. The Cincinnati Bearcats, Cincinnati team is going to blow a big lead in a marquee game. But they didn't. Desmond Ritter's senior leadership, Leonard Taylor's experience, those two did not panic. Ritter throws a phenomenal ball to Taylor. Bearcats keep the pressure on Notre Dame, finish off that drive. That catch leads to a touchdown. Bearcats go up by 11, and you feel much better about where the game was headed after that. The leverage of that moment and the how you felt about the Bearcats' chances of winning that game hinged on that play, and it flipped into thinking, okay, we got this, thanks to that throw and catch from Ritter to Taylor. Number one, though, I've got Jerome Ford's touchdown run against Houston in the first quarter because Houston, if you'll remember, they went straight down the field twice in the first quarter. Field goal, touchdown. You're thinking this is going to be a shootout. This may not be good for Cincinnati, but then Jerome Ford, or I guess it was, can the Bearcats keep up with this? And the answer was a resounding yes. Jerome Ford busts loose 79 yards for a touchdown. Bearcats never trailed after that play, changed the game, put the pressure all on Houston. I know the Bearcats didn't score in the second quarter, but still, they flipped the entire momentum of the game into their favor on that play. Just a phenomenal run by Ford, got the crowd energized, and it showed that the Bearcats were far and away the best team in the conference and one of the four best teams in college football. And that's why they're in the college football playoff. All right, that was good. Uh, Tuesday top 10. Maybe next week if the Bearcats win the Cotton Bowl on Friday, I'll do a top 10 plays from the Cotton Bowl, top 10 players from the Cotton Bowl. Hell, I might do a top 10 every day. I don't know. I do know this. Um, we'll be back tomorrow working on some guests. It's hard to book guests being on a cruise, but let's see if I can work my magic. Uh, if not that, we'll talk about other matchups within the game. Jerome Ford said something really interesting Monday that I want to touch on at um, Cotton Bowl media availability down in Dallas. And there are more matchups within this game that I want to touch on if I haven't touched on them already. Again, you can follow me on Twitter at Frankie underscore Natty. That's two N's, N-N-A-T-I. You can follow me on Instagram, AlexFrank9 underscore. And you can email me at Alex3Frank at gmail.com. That's all lowercase Alex, the number three, Frank at gmail.com. Thank you for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen of every day. Now stay tuned to make your second listen, Lockdown Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Lockdown Bets, hosted by your boy Q, with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. Until we talk to you tomorrow, Wednesday, December 29th of this year, Bearcats are the fourth seed in the college football playoff. December 29th is the, actually, that went wrong. Today is the fourth to last day of the year. Today is the fourth to last day of the year. And the Bearcats are the fourth seed in the college football playoff. Until we talk to you tomorrow on Wednesday, have a Bearcat day.